everyone! Welcome to Fandom Femmes. We are two queer femme nerds of color. We use humor and fun to take your favorite convention's diversity panel and turn it into a year-round conversation. I'm Noelle. And I'm Justine. And meow, 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 episode five. Look at us. Can we you believe out- we have five episodes out? <laughs> I'm shooketh. I mean, we have our intro episode, so episode zero to five, but like, wow, wow look at us. Five feels such like an official number. <laughs> I know, right? Like, here we are making regular content. Uh, it's cool to constantly see our listener base growing and growing, and more people are finding out about us. So, yay! yay! It's so exciting. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, actually, for everyone to know, um, just so we can catch up on our content and also provide, continue to provide quality content, we're actually going to change our upload, our release schedule, and it's going to be actually every other Wednesday from here on out. We might have some little cute pop-up episodes here and there, like tiny little mini-sodes, but in terms of our longer episodes, our official episodes, they're going to be released every other Wednesday from here on out. So look out for that. And in yeah. the meantime, we'll be sharing some pretty cool content on our Instagram and our TikTok, other social media. So stay tuned for that. Yay. Yeah. Yeah, and like, thanks for saying that, Noelle. Um, honestly, like, Noelle and I have been learning a lot about the podcasting process uh, as we're going, you know. And with anything, there is so much that there's only so much you can prepare for. And um, what really challenges you, and what really um is a a more immersive learning experience, like learning on the job. So we're kind of adjusting accordingly. And after we're kind of seeing what it takes to make like a whole ass podcast, (laughs) um, we are, we want to continue to provide, like Novelli said, quality content for all of y'all. So yay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm kind of piggybacking off of that. Last week we was our National Coming Out Day episode, and at the end of last episode, we opened it up to all of y'all, our listeners, to share with us um, some of the queer characters that have um, been impactful for your journeys, um, and also some characters that um, you've encountered that are really representative of ways that gender binaries and stereotypes can be challenged and broken. So let's dive into some of the answers that you shared with us. Yeah. Ooh, I'm about to dive in. I'm a dance wheel. I'm sorry. Whoa. Okay. Oh, honey, no, that was not okay. <laughs> I just wanted to be Trey Songs for a hot second. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let's go. Oh, my gosh. Oh, well, we're going to – okay, next thing you know, Fandom Femmes is going to have our own album. We're going to have, like – Follow us on SoundCloud. You know, we're going to be dead. mumble rappers. Check out wow. our SoundCloud. I know. Wow. <laughs> it's Do just it. going to be – okay, honestly, we'll just get Josh to like <laughs> – imagine just remix all of the like things that we've said, like the stupid yeah. things that we've said. Yeah. <laughs> but like it'll be like on knock, a beat. Knock, Who's, Who's there? there? You're gay. <laughs> I feel like that should Did be that? a sound bite. Like <laughs> – Hear that, Josh? We're volunteering you to remix this. Josh, if you're listening to this, I know you're busy this month, but but <laughs> a feature project. Anyway, anyways, who back on topic? So we've 
we asked all of y'all after our National Coming Out Day episodes to share what characters have helped you come into your identities and what your favorite characters that defied gender norms are. So our first comment is from at Ketzer underscore apathetic. And I'm just going to read what they shared with us. So uh, I just finished episode four and I got teary-eyed teary-eyed a few times. I had a hard time coming into my identity and a big part of it was missing language. The first word I found to identify with was genderqueer because I really gravitated towards the breaking of gender expectations like you mentioned. Wow. Um, Haku and Orochimaru from Naruto were definitely contributors for that, but here are a few more that hit me personally. First and foremost, Sheik from Zelda Ocarina of Time, Kurama from Yu Yu Hakusho, Frieza from DBZ, Envy from Full Metal Alchemist, especially the shapeshifting powers. Aisha Clan Clan from Outlaw Star. Integra from Helsing. Him from Powerpuff Girls. There was an androgynous character in a game called Summon Night 2 who is asked their gender and their response is, I'm a child of the wind. Whoa. Oh my god. Also, yes. a special shout out to Kim Possible for putting cargo pants in my brain as feminine clothing articles and helping me feel more balanced in my gender without getting bullied wow thank you oh so gosh. much for sharing thank that thank you oh i have so much like okay also chic from zelda bombshell like i mean you can't even see her face but like just knowing that i just i mean spoiler uh chic is zelda <laughs> right so i mean i think that's so cool because she's a princess and what was cool about in Legend of Zelda is that like, yeah, okay, you're Link and you have to go save Zelda. And like, it's like that trope, you know, save the princess. But mm-hmm. um, Legend of Zelda always did really well in like breaking that gender norm of of like Zelda or like as a princess being helpless. She knew how to fight. I mean, she was literally like Sheik. <laughs> okay, she was um, – so Sheik – Shika warriors were are like an ancestor in the lore for Legend of Zelda, and she, um, it was like a part of her, like her bloodline. So she was literally like a ninja warrior, like in that realm, and like no one knew. They're like, oh my god, who is this? And like, little do you know, like she's Princess Zelda, bitch. Like you know, like <laughs> like you know, she because she got that pink dress or like whichever dress she's got on, and even the newest game, like Breath of the Wild, she's um, what's really cool is. Later on, I believe she you can actually play as her in, like, the DLCs. But she normally doesn't really have a dress on. She's got, like, her mm. riding gear on. She's wearing pants and boots and, mm. like, and she's got her hair back. And she's out here sniping bitches. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I love that reference. Um, do you want to talk about Envy? I feel like. Oh, heck yeah. It's Full Metal. Oh, my God. Yes, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is actually one of my favorite anime of all time. Um, and when I was initially watching it, I was, I think, in high school. And at the time, I wasn't really – I didn't really know what non-binary was. Um, so I didn't really make the connection that NV was NB. Ha-ha! 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 I didn't make that connection until later. But then when I found out that it's a huge part of, like, the fandom – um was like i don't do they ever make it canon in the show that they're non-binary or like because i know the fandom was very loud the about their fandom is identity. loud i don't i don't remember them saying specifically that or even like they any pronouns they would use would be he him mm, yeah for envy yeah yeah definitely so i definitely um Really love that Full Metal Alchemist is getting representation on this list. And also, we can both talk about this, but 
him from Powerpuff Girls right? too. You knew I was gonna go. There. Icon, the icon. Oh my! God. Yeah. I really always kind of wanted to cosplay. As oh hell yeah! Him, I I don't know. Growing up, I I wasn't so much confused, but I always celebrated that villain because I I thought they were so cool. <laughs> like I don't know, like everyone else. I mean, there were some pretty weird villains, but like him was like what are you? And like, you're just so like, he's got a goatee, but he's wearing a tutu with like long boots. And I was like, I don't, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Honestly. And like, I, I remember asking, like asking my cousins or the people I was watching with, I was like, is him a boy or a girl? And then in the span of the show, it didn't matter. Like, yeah, it, yeah, it really didn't matter what, or like how him identified. We just really gravitated towards him as a character you know right right yeah love that awesome so thank you so much for sharing with us at yes. cats underscore apathetic thank uh you. do you want to kind of lead into our next comment no of course okay so yeah our next person is at hulisa underscore interrupted so they said alex nunez from degrassi was a big eye-opener for eighth grade hulisa it was a mix of i want to be you but oh my god i want to kiss you alex <laughs> Was sorry, <laughs> Alex was the bad girl lesbian, and I thought she was so cool and so misunderstood. OMG, also, Jim Hawkins from Treasure Planet was a character I definitely wanted to be another bad boy, misunderstood character who I thought was cool. I was never attracted to Jim, I just truly wanted to be him. A lot of different cartoon Mary char- characters were on my I want to be you list, and I would channel them if I played fantasy or make believe with friends and pretend I was this swoon worthy dream boy. That's so relatable, Hulisa. Thank you for so sharing. Relatable. So relatable. Literally, as I was reading that comment, I was thinking about because I used to play pretend all the time. And um, me and my cousins, especially over summer, we would, every time they would come over, we would quote unquote make movies with no camera. So we would just like pretend all day that we were making a movie. And um, my boy cousin his favorite was lord of the rings at the time and they're like oh who could you be he was gonna be like aragon oh, wait, fuck, is that aragorn a- aragorn aragorn whatever <laughs> meow um uh, yeah. like a cousin would be like that one girl elf lady you know and i was like i'm gonna be legolas <laughs> i'm gonna be legolas you see how he got up on that fucking horse badass bitch what you looking at i'm gonna throw that back like a cadillac <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like, I, yeah. I also speaking of Legolas, like, how beautiful was he? Like, <laughs> like as I mean, yeah, Orlando Bloom, but like also, um, just like his character design because not only yeah he's a fighter that's like not to be messed with, but also extremely graceful in the movements and also in his morality and how he interacts with people. And I was always like, ooh, making me feel things. But also, I want to be like you, like exactly what you said, Lisa. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, most definitely. I also grew up with Degrassi as well. And it was like teen shows like that that really exposed me to queerness for the first time. I'm like, Mm -hmm. what? These are like real girls and they're like kissing on camera. What? Right, right. I'm like, they, this was allowed. <laughs> this is allowed. I'm this like, allowed? I, can, I can do this. Like, 
I mean, they're in high school. I'm in well, almost <laughs> high school. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure when Degrassi came out, I think I was in middle school or like – Same. Yeah. 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 So I was like, oh, is this what high school's like? And then I go to high school. I'm like, all right. It's not like Degrassi. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Drake wasn't there. <laughs> I didn't have Drake at my high school. So. <laughs> anyway. Well, add that to our, our quote pile. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have Drake at my, Drake high, at my school. high school, so it's not like grassy. <laughs> oh my god, hashtag relatable content. But <laughs> yeah, so um, our another comment that we wanted to share was from at Queer Delion, um, super cute username by the way. I so they say Santana Lopez from Glee and Emily Fields from Pretty Little Liars is when I started to realize anyone could be queer, not just a stereotype masculine women. I think this is uh, Cosima Nyehouse from Orphan Black helped me accept it. Lexa from The 100 made me realize the need for representation. And Alex Danvers' coming out scene was the most relatable, uh, was the most relatable, meaning you can come out at any age. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, I also used to watch Glee and Pretty Little Liars. And I think specifically in those characters, uh, Santana and Emily, it was really interesting to see brown queer women like who are mm-hmm. very feminine who like they had long hair they like dress very feminine as well so I before that I had a very clear picture like you said about what lesbianness or like what being in the LGBT community was supposed to look like mm-hmm. which is typically and bef- like prior to this a lot of the the representation that was given for queer women in media was this very masculine aesthetic like they had to align with maleness into in order to be considered a valid member of the lgbt community you know Mm -hmm. so it was really cool to see those characters too and even now in some of the shows that i watch like one of my favorite shows ever is brooklyn 99 (laughs) and rosa diaz is uh, another character like that what i liked about her story is spoiler for brooklyn 99 uh actually yeah, so for Brooklyn Nine Nine, uh, Rosa Diaz is a bisexual character who's played by a bisexual actress, mm-hmm. which is which is amazing. And a lot of her story, spoiler alert for Brooklyn Nine Nine, as she comes out, it shows the complexity of what it means to come out to a to immigrant parents and mm. what it means to kind of navigate that cultural tension with being who you who you are because something that I've realized too like at the me like as at the intersection of my a Filipino identity and also an American identity like your Filipino identity in my experience has been very much about like we can't rock the boat we're representing the family you need to honor your parents and honor your ancestors so you can't don't be different don't Mm -hmm. do anything or that will potentially draw negative attention to you Mm -hmm. but then my american upbringing is saying like do you fuck what anyone else (laughs) hell yeah so with these two identities kind of at war and at odds when you're coming into your queerness that's something that i saw displayed in rosa's story on brooklyn Mm -hmm. Nine Nine. so i super appreciate you for um sharing that at queerty lion yay thank you so much yeah. So um, let's go ahead and dive into our topic for today. Speaking I love of how we never even like said what the topic was in the beginning. Oh, yeah. We totally didn't. <laughs> we totally did. Actually- <laughs> but that's a good segue, actually, because like um, – so we talked about seeing yourself in the media and seeing the intersections of 
Asian immigrant identities with the media that you're consuming. This is a super roundabout segue, but bear with me. Come on this I'm journey here. with me. Right. I'm there. a bear. I'm bearing with you. <laughs> right. <laughs> XT. I'm sorry. Why did I think about... <laughs> Have you seen... Tangent. I'm sorry. Have you seen that that video, <laughs> that picture where it's like when you're cute on the outside but kinky on the inside and it's a picture of Rila Kuma like hanging from the ceiling all like tied up with rope. I know <laughs> but that's <laughs> definitely an image you need to send to me oh hell yeah we're gonna do that yeah <laughs> but... what was it again kawaii in the streets hentai in the sheets oh hell yeah definitely <laughs> anyways anyways so when we first kind of conceived the idea of this podcast something that we wanted to do was go really make it ours by highlighting the fandoms that we were both a part of and we established this very early on that we don't have to necessarily make episodes on things that both of us know right um it's okay to give like the other you know like right noelle like um yeah basically to you know Honestly, this is what we do in our everyday conversations anyway, is we learn from each other. So literally today, I mean, Justine learned from me about Naruto <laughs> episode two, right? Yeah. Episode one? Episode Technically two. one. Technically one. Episode one. So today <laughs> I'm learning from Justine Sensei. <laughs> wow. Wow. And today we are going to talk about one of my fa- a super important uh, superhero to me, which is Silk. Ha ha. Ha Indeed, yes. Silk is um, a Marvel hero. She Her ser- series came out in 2014, and we kind of wanted to talk about it for this episode because it's very timely. Um, because last month, it was announced that Sony Pictures would be turning Silk into a live-action series. <gasps> Yay! <sighs> yeah. <laughs> um, and this is something that was really exciting for me. Um, I... I first, I guess I can kind of go into what Silk is about and also kind of talk about how she kind of impacted my my little baby upbringing as <laughs> a, a baby nerd. So I'm just going to go ahead and read the synopsis straight from the comic book. Yes. And so all the pages have like – or every comic – Every issue, I should say, like has this little synopsis section. So I'm just going to read from this. Wow, story time. Wow, we love it. As a teenager, Cindy Moon was bitten by the same spider that Peter Parker – that bit Peter Parker, giving her powers similar to those of the amazing Spider-Man. Powers of adhesion, unique precognitive awareness of danger, and the ability to weave spider webs from her fingertips. She now swings through the skies of New York City as Silk. Silk. I totally broke. I'm sorry. (laughs) <laughs> she now swings through the skies of New York City as Silk. Silk, 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 Silk. Why did it turn into ASMR? I don't know. I Anyways, don't know. <laughs> to protect Earth from a deadly family of spider hunters and murderers called the Inheritors, Cindy Moon was locked in a bunker that prevented them from sensing her presence for 10 years. Spider-Man unwillingly op- unwittingly opened the bunker, unaware of the danger revealing Cindy's existence could cause, and set the events of Spider-Verse in motion. After fighting side by side with countless other spiders against the inheritors and saving the world, Cindy is now back in New York and discovering the city's criminal underworld while still getting used to her newfound freedom. So yeah, that was just like a quick synopsis of Silk. Whoa. So she she was like hidden away. Oh yeah. Um oh. So, 
yeah so like in the first issue um i'll, I'll try also try to keep the series as like spoiler free as possible but um in in the first issue we find out that or she's she's kind of giving us a backstory so she's in this bunker from what we understand is for her own protection and she's down there for 10 years after she discovers the powers and when she emerges and she's being silk like this full-fledged superhero she's also trying to uncover what has happened to her loved ones in the past 10 years so you you look at and this is also i i also found like a very timely kind of social justice angle to it because when she emerges all of the bodegas that she used to frequent like all of the um her favorite pizza her favorite pizza store and stuff all of them are gone so like she's coming and waking up into a completely unfamiliar city which is a topic that's also very close to my heart in terms of like gentrification mm-hmm. and how um because of you know large corporations and everything making uh, attempting to quote unquote clean up communities of color by hiking up rent so the people who've called that city home for years can't afford to live there anymore mm-hmm. and see this change in you know the type of stores that are around um the type of yeah, like the type of stores that are around, um, the mom and pop shops that aren't there anymore, mm-hmm. uh, these expensive restaurants, pay like pay to park parking structures, Ugh. like all those different things. Yeah. So yeah, like that was a very interesting angle to see her like emerge from that. Mm-hmm. And also we find out she has she reminisces a lot about her parents and her brother. And then we find out that they they kind of left without a trace. They paid for everything in cash. They don't have like a paper trail for anything. So she's kind of trying to uncover um her her main purpose, for example, of like fighting crime and like trying to um we find out that she's a part of this like news outlet and mainly why she's a part of that news outlet is to find her family and to find out what happened to them. So yeah, it's super it's super interesting and like I absolutely love the story. And what's her ethnicity? She's like thank you for asking well <laughs> so, um Silk, um, alter ego Cindy Moon, is Korean-American. So uh, throughout the story, especially in her flashbacks to her interactions with her parents, you see this type of push and pull of like this Amer- – that kind of like what I was talking about of the um, Asian immigrant identity, um, the kind of like do your – like work hard and then you'll succeed. Mm-hmm. Um you know, this type of indebtedness to your parents, like, oh, well, we, um, when we came over to this country, we endured all this, we like worked so hard to give you this life so you could um, pursue a stable career. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't have to work that hard. And struggling with that with your American identity, that's like, do what your heart wants, and mm-hmm. like, follow what you want to do, you know, like, um, so she's Korean American. I believe she's actually the first Korean American female Marvel hero with her own series. Love. So this was a huge, huge deal. Um, and yeah, like I remember so kind of going um to the chronology of Silk. So she first she actually first appeared in Amazing Spider-Man volumes one through six. Uh this is created by Dan Slott and Humberto Ramos in 2014. And then she got her own series the following year in 2015, written and it was written by Robbie Thompson, who is actually a writer on Supernatural, like the CW oh. show. Yeah. And Stacy Lee, who is a um, Korean illustrator. Oh. So yeah. That's really cool. I love that it's a Korean illustrator. <laughs> Definitely. 
So speaking of Stacey Lee being like a Korean illustrator, I was really excited when it was announced that there would be a live action Silk series because Lauren Moon was signed on to be one of the writers. And she wrote for Atypical, which is a show on Netflix. And also she's an alum of an organization called Coalition of Asian Pacifics and Entertainment and their new writers fellowship. So mm-hmm. like specifically out of that, she um, like and Cape is like a huge organization like entertainment kind of coalition or like organization for mm-hmm. Asian American creators based out of uh, Los Angeles. And Lauren is also third generation Korean American and she's also queer. So oh, yeah. I love seriously. <laughs> yeah. And um actually also kind of going back into Silk's lore, she even though her solo series isn't happening right now, she's still active in the new agents of atlas which is a a series that actually brings together a lot of asian superheroes so if you're familiar with amadeus cho he was he was the hulk um and now he is known as brawn miss marvel kamala khan who is mm-hmm. um who's muslim and pakistani like she's a part of that. There's like a K-pop superhero named Luna. Shang Chi is a part of this coalition too, and Wave, the Wave, uh, Filipino yeah. superhero. Yeah, yeah, she's she's actually a part of that um, new agents of Atlas as well. So Silk is still alive and kicking over there. But yeah, it's it's really exciting to see her get her own live action series. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. even hearing, I mean, I've kind of heard, I've heard of Wave. But I didn't really hear about New Agents of Atlas. And I think that's just so cool that, you know, they're finally emerging. Because, yeah, I, I'm sure in any universe, like, if that is still considering Earth to be, like, canon. Yeah. <laughs> like, the geography of Earth. That there would be superheroes in other parts of the world, you know, that are yeah. not European featured. You know, that don't have European features, etc. Or are not American, you know. Yeah, and, like, that actually brings up a really interesting point, too, because, like, with um, this, like, pan-Asian coalition of superheroes, they're mainly – so I've only read, like, a couple issues of New Agents of Atlas, and, um, for example, Wave, she's known as, like, the protector and, like, the guardian of the Philippine Sea mm-hmm. because, like, who knows how to protect her people better than, like, one of their own. Right. And rather than, like, the Avengers or, like, Captain America coming right. to another country and, like, saving them, you know? Like, in mm-hmm. the Avengers movies, we see, like, shrines and stuff to Iron Man, like, in other countries. So it's really cool to see, you know, kind of, like, one of their own being their guardians and, like, being their protector, mm-hmm. you know? I love that. Yeah. Um, and also, like, this is actually a little known fact, and I'm just, I just want to flex it because I got so excited when I found this out. So, <laughs> in Spider Man Homecoming, Cindy Moon is actually a character in, um, in the show, or like, no, not in the show, in the movie. So, she doesn't get a lot of lines, but <laughs> she's on the bus with Peter Parker oh, and MJ on the, on the bu- on the bus on the way. Oh, they're still in the same class. Yeah. Yeah, like she's oh my a gosh. part of in this universe. She's a part of the decathlon team, so she's there. Like people, like in the credits, like it says her name is Cindy, and so she's there. Um, so she's already existed in the MCU. 
So it's not super out of left. So I was hoping like when it came out, because I noticed it, I'm just like, my my silk senses were tingling. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, here she is. So I just thought when I saw that, I'm just like, oh my God, it's not far-fetched to imagine her in the MCU because she's already there. Right. So it's perfectly viable for her to like, you know, be a part of this universe now. And I'm just like, Wait, okay so that's speaking of because silk is another like spider superhero um did you hear about what was being speculated for the the newest um spider-man movie coming out because they wanted to introduce like a the multiverse um Mm -hmm. and they're thinking of bringing on the other two spider-mans like andrew garfield and uh what What's his name? And Toby Maguire. And Toby Maguire. Like the like and all three of them being in the movie. And I'm like, if we're gonna bring that, why I mean Sydney too, why not? <laughs> I know. Like, okay, if you're gonna bring out the three iterations of Spider-Man, like right. I wanna see Miles. I wanna see Spider Ham. Spider Ham! Spider Ham! <laughs> That's all I want. Spider Ham! The anime Spider <laughs> Oh yeah, Penny Parker. Yeah. So yeah. cute. I actually read a couple of, I read a, read a couple of um, articles that was that was rumored that Silk was supposed to be in Into the Spider Verse, oh. but instead they went in, they added Penny Parker instead of Sydney Moon. But oh. you know what? It's okay. I mean, like this is why I'm so excited that there's going to be a live action series. So right, and the live action series is going to be on television or like streaming apps like i think it's gonna be on streaming services services. in the articles i saw there were talks about amazon prime getting onto it Mm. uh but it's too early to really say so yeah like i'll just keep my eyes peeled i'm just like if i have to buy a new streaming service i really don't want to but you know what i'll do it for hey the trial oh well it doesn't all come out at once right so <laughs> I was about to say, like, just binge it all before the trial ends. Yeah. Oh my god, I'll I'll create different emails and then just oh sign up for the trial each time. I'm dead. Oh my gosh, so the FBI agent listening is just like, don't do it. Don't <laughs> like, do it. Don't do it. I'm telling. But wait, say yeah. so since it is MCU, would it? And since Disney owns Marvel now, right, or at least their studios, do you mm-hmm. think it would be on Disney Plus? That's very interesting. I don't know. That's like, yeah, I'm not really sure if if folks who are listening know how like entertainment services work or like how these different things work. Please let us know. But like, I don't, I don't really know. I just saw like in the articles that I read that there were talks of like Amazon Prime picking it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this is a part of like the MCU technically, um, because like we know that other franchises um, have like. Or sorry, yeah, other Marvel series have been picked up by other companies. So oh. um, yeah, like for example, the Fantastic Four movies aren't aren't under Disney. I think they might be available on Disney Plus, but I'm not sure. But- yeah, the, what the, I remember like for like Fantastic Four because they weren't because um, it was before Marvel Studios was like huge mm-hmm. and they had like the budget etc yeah to, instead of selling their stories to other studios but i heard that they wanted to try to buy the rights back for fantastic four so that marvel can finally incorporate them into the universe yeah yeah and, like the fantastic four does make an appearance in 
spoiler alert, the <laughs> Fantastic Four does make an appearance in Silk. So I'm thinking maybe, but like also X-Men technically isn't a part of the MCU. Deadpool isn't necessarily part of the MCU. Right. Which got me fucked up because like <laughs> – Cause okay, cause it's so confusing. Like especially like the second Deadpool movie, cause um, like none of the X Men were there <laughs> because like like you can't have those characters because those characters are a part of like they're signed with um you know those other studios for those other movies. So I feel like Marvel should just. I mean, I'm sure they have enough money <laughs> to just like. I'll give you this much money to give me the rights to this character back because, hey, <laughs> we fucking wrote it, you know? Like, or yeah. whoever wrote it, it's under Marvel. So it's like. Yeah. But also, to be like. No, precisely. But also, <laughs> like, I don't imagine a character like Deadpool living on Disney Plus. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like movies, and it goes straight from Jake and the Neverland Pirates to like Deadpool. <laughs> Just don't put it on Disney Plus. Just don't put it on Disney Plus. Hey, okay, so the kid that I was babysitting was only eight, and he was like, Let's watch a movie. And I was like, Cool, let's watch a movie. And I was like, You could choose. He puts on Deadpool. Oh, sweetie. And I'm like, I don't want to watch the sex scene with you child like no. i was like you don't want to watch anything else he's like i've watched it. i was like are you sure you could watch this he was like my dad's watched it with me before i was like i better not get in trouble for this like, I know, is this allowed? <laughs> like i don't want to have to explain the international women's day scene to an eight-year-old like it's not that's not the time it's not the time <laughs> Or is this not my responsibility? I'm just your babysitter. I'm not your mom. I'm not your sister. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, like, yes, you stigmatize sex, but also, it's not my job to do this. This is not my job. (laughs) My job's on the line. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, (gasps) back to Silk. Yes. We're back to Silk. Silk. Yeah. Silk, Um, Silk, Silk, Silk. Silk, Silk, Silk. Yeah. I think, like, also kind of how silk was important to my personal nerd journey was that previously i mean we've noelle and i have talked about this like ad nauseum on this podcast about how gatekeeping especially um cis male fans barring yeah (laughs) like barring uh female fans for like or femme fans or like queer fans from participating in the fandom and almost having them cross having them have to cross this imaginary threshold to prove themselves uh to to be that and when i was when i was younger i always kind of had this interest in comics and had this interest in superheroes we've mentioned this before i loved teen titans i loved superhero shows like young justice and because i could relate to them a little bit more Mm -hmm. but i was always hesitant to get into the comics because i always viewed comics and fandom as its own culture almost Mm -hmm. and i don't want to Well, one, I was afraid of being checked. I was afraid of not knowing enough to participate Mm -hmm. or to say that I liked something. But when – and also I was afraid of disrespecting this culture, like coming Mm -hmm. in as an outsider 
and saying that I liked something because on in one in on one hand I can kind of empathize with why people are so protective of fandom because fandom like we've said in the past is community and when an outsider comes into your community it's it it's I wouldn't blame them for getting protective of that because, like, when the rest of the world makes fun of you for liking what you like, the people in your community will uplift you and will say, like, no, that's okay. So when someone doesn't know enough, like, or, like, by your standards, it can be really – it can be scary to, like, let someone new in, Mm -hmm. you know, after you've spent so long cultivating this, like, tight-knit community of people who like the same thing that you do. However, the way that it manifests can be very toxic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like the mechanisms by which it happens get very toxic. Honestly, when you were speaking about gentrification and as you're speaking now, I'm kind of thinking like like how you said, like, you know, it's like a tight-knit community. And then um, especially when, okay, say especially right now on TikTok, like anime, like liking anime is a trend now. And it's it's not frowned upon. It's actually really cool. Like, ooh, cool. You like anime? Cool. Like, like that's a cool thing to do. But back – back in our day <laughs> you know like um or especially even weebs before our time they're, they're very hesitant um they feel like it's a sort of gentrification in a sense that like like they're like that's not fair that you know these people just like it now and that like it's okay in society <laughs> you know to like it but like we were always made fun of like you said mm-hmm. before bullied you know, for liking what we liked. So it's interesting because there's gatekeeping in the sense that like, you know, um, the original community is like not letting newcomers in, but also like there's like this, I guess I can kind of see both sides, like that reservation of being like, they they feel like it's unjust, which Mm. is weird because there's no like law (laughs) in fandom. You know, there's no laws you know, it's like it, it, we said, it's community-based. It's not really like societal-based. So it's it's all about really understanding like where the community should stand. And this is why we have this podcast is yeah. to, to kind of like at least, you know, present both sides but also give alternatives to their common thinking, you know. It's okay to let people in. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I really liked what you said too because I think, and I talk about this a lot in like personal relationships too. But like, okay, we're gonna get we're gonna get deep here. Wow, um, there's this thing, especially in in immigrant families, in my experience, um, which is like this differentiation between like loving from from a point of scarcity and loving from a point of abundance. And what I mean by that, like loving from a point of scarcity, like if your parents worked really, really hard um, in low-paying jobs, if they were discriminated against at work and by the community when they first immigrated here, they didn't – they toiled really hard in order to like give – like provide a better life for their family, right? Mm -hmm. Um. So loving from scarcity in that sense would be like, well, I didn't have this growing up, so it sh- you shouldn't have this growing up. Right, or like, it shouldn't be as easy. Yeah, definitely. Like I didn't get to choose my career growing up, so you need to choose something that I chose for you because that's what my parents chose for me. Right. You know, like repeating a cycle 
and mm-hmm. not seeing like because s- repeating that cycle from a scarce mindset meaning like even like despite the fact that they worked hard so th- they have an abundance of resources their mindset is still operating from a sense of like we don't have anything so we are in survival mode and this is what we have to do to survive um even though the reality they've created is one with that's full of options mm-hmm. so kind of going back to this um gatekeeping in the community so this scarcity mindset would be to say well we were made fun of for liking anime um so it's not okay that it's acceptable to like it now or um we or like liking superheroes wasn't cool before the avengers movies came out and like were Mm. like super like big blockbuster movies it was weird for me to have action figures of my favorite heroes it was weird for me to want to dress up as my favorite heroes and now there are whole conventions where people do that like that's not and now it's cool to cosplay like um it's not okay that that's true rather like being a part of fandom from a more abundant mindset, the way that I would envision it would be like, oh my God, my community is growing. Right. Or it's like, because um, of this mainstream crossover, people don't have to be bullied for liking what they like. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's like, even like in the like family sense is like, hey, you know, I'm happy that you don't, I'm happy that you don't have to go through that. I'm happy that you didn't have to go through what I went through. Yeah. I'm happy that you're able to enjoy your life the way you want to, like not the same way that I had to. Sure, you may still have some struggles, but like, hey, like I'm happy you didn't have to do that, you mm-hmm. know, because things change over time <laughs> and it's inevitable, you know, whether it's for the good or for the bad and hey, we have to adjust accordingly. But in terms of like fandom and in our community like i'm i'm happy that like more people are liking anime because i have more people to talk to about it yeah (laughs) you know like shouldn't you be happy about that like it's cool yeah you have your niche friends that like um you know you paid D with like on like secretly on like friday Mm -hmm. nights or something you know or you have this very niche and it's super cool you could still cherish those friends and like those experiences but now that you know even though it is maybe so more mainstream it's like even like in abundance like there's so many more people that you can enjoy this with like you can celebrate these characters with you can celebrate these artists these series these you know everything like with and like I mean that's where we feel that in conventions in person you know it's like wow look at all these people that are like me you know Mm -hmm. I feel Yeah. yeah Thank you for sharing that, Noelle. Oh, my God. Like, that's <laughs> – I really resonated with that. And especially, for example, with Silk. Like, when Silk first came out in, like, 2015, I was probably – I was, like, a freshman in college. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I found out about her that I mustered up the courage to go into a comic book store and be like, I know what I want. Like, yeah. and <laughs> say, like, I'm trying to – like, I, I know what I want. Like, do you have issue one of Silk? Like, I want to buy it. And – I I started I started reading it and because I saw myself in her as a an Asian American woman mm-hmm. I felt like I could take up space in mm-hmm. that world that was formally kept from me in that right. world that I formally thought I wasn't I didn't have the knowledge I didn't have the repertoire to you know occupy mm-hmm. and so representation matters, y'all. Like, 
Right. Um, because and because of that, like I was able to. It was because I, I entered that comic book shop, and started reading Silk that I started to um go to con- I felt empowered to go to conventions mm-hmm. to to see more like I it's because of that that I discovered it's because of that comic book shop community that I you know met friends and mm-hmm. that I started attending like community events and stuff and I started immersing myself more I, I felt empowered to immerse myself in the community because Silk showed me that I can be a part of it and that mm-hmm. I already was um yeah and kind of talking about um like that that gate that gatekeeping even more you know when i so silk was very was not very well known in um in like 2015 Mm -hmm. um but so she had her own like solo series that was like discontinued for a little bit um and because of like the comics weren't selling and this is something that we see a lot like or that i've seen a lot in the superhero franchises that i follow like for example young justice it took so long for them to get a season three because their toys weren't selling after Mm. season one or two you know like despite i mean like despite the fact that the show was an excellent show and it had like amazing characters it had such like a a robust cast of like young superhero characters it was discontinued because it like people weren't like it wasn't making money so and that's how it is and that's how it is honestly but um but but now like if i was loving silk from a scarce mindset i'd be like oh well you know i like she was so she was she wasn't well known you know like uh, she wasn't well like she wasn't well known when I first got into it. I I had nobody to talk about Silk with because I was the only one who read the comics like in my in my circles. Like everybody, if anything, like people were more gravitating towards Spider Gwen. Um mm-hmm. as if it was between Silk and Spider Gwen. But anyways, like <laughs> they were gravitating towards like those comics. They were more gravitating towards like the mainstream like MCU movies and everything. So a scarce mindset me would be like yeah, no, like, this is mine. Nobody else can touch it. Like, I'm afraid for the new series. But I guess the way that I am looking at it is, you know, people loved Spider-Man so much that they that, peop- that there was a demand to see more. People loved Spider-Man so much that, you know, we wanted to see more of the Spider-Verse. And Miles Morales um, had his own like had his own um movie into the spider-verse that did so well like it did so so well um and on top of that too like people are demanding more of the spider-verse after seeing that multiverse Mm -hmm. that silk like a character that isn't very well known is getting her own series so more people are going to fall in love with her like i did right yeah and hmm i actually had a question while you were speaking um or more of like an insight is that like you know how you said you felt empowered to enter the fandom because you you saw someone like you right Mm -hmm. and not specifically filipino um it was silk so she's korean american but also a woman and so what i imagined is that like you know other young females you know going through the same thing is like you know i feel like there there are probably so many more like like you 
basically that are just like waiting to see themselves, you know, in a medium like comics to be able to be like claim that as theirs, you know, and be like, okay, like feel relieved like you did. Like I can, I can enter now, you know? And it's sad that, that there is still that feeling, you know, that it's, but Hey, it's progress (laughs) Mm -hmm. in terms of like, yeah, baby steps. And I mean, comics have been around for, I don't know the history of comics, but many a years. Very long time. (laughs) Very long long time. time. And considering you know, it might be a little late in my opinion, but but hey, like at least it's existing and th- would you say it's thriving? Like these types of stories? I think so. Definitely. Um, I've there's there's definitely a demand because there's a demand for more diverse stories. It's kind of ushering in the way for new creators to kind of have their voices heard and to have stories of um, characters from marginalized backgrounds told in told by people in that community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it makes me really happy to see that see that representation and i'm really happy with the silk adaptation of the live action one they're um prioritizing korea like um female korean voices like female (gasps) korean american voices yay Um, yeah we love uh, what's it called um i'm not getting the right word i don't know why i'm thinking of sincere genuine Uh, that's not it either but like you know just being true to like the characters that are involved. Yeah. Wise, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, I have mm-hmm. – oh, no, please go. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, you. No, you. <laughs> no, you. Go, go ahead. Go ahead, baby. <laughs> yeah. um, so I actually had a question for you mm-hmm. um, because, I mean, I was going to say you're the sensei and I forgot what student is in Japanese. <laughs> I think it's Gakusen. I don't know. That sounded so gross the way I said that. But um, <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go learn Japanese now. But um, so uh, I just want to ask you, like, why do you think around this time or even I don't know when it started, like Marvel decided to start creating more stories with like people of color and kind of because, you know, I mean, like you said in previous episodes, it's always been white cis males mm-hmm. adult males mm-hmm. you know and even the difference in having young justice and having younger heroes or even teen titans and having younger heroes uh, why do you think they started going in that direction especially with mm-hmm. um agents of atlas because mm-hmm. it's like whoa it's a whole slew of like of poc characters right wow so it's just like whoa, what's happening here and like why why do you think yeah, I think like for me, thank you for the question. I think there are, I, I kind of have like two sides to this answer. So one side to this answer is definitely kind of cynical and it's like profitable, you know, um, mm-hmm. but kind of at another end to that is that people are being loud about what they want mm-hmm. and um, there's a demand for it. And there's always been this demand, but I think, or I like in my opinion, I think that it's only – even though this demand has always existed, it's not until – it wasn't until recently that these voices, these demands are getting a platform to be heard. Right. So, yeah, people are being loud that, like, we want brown characters. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't want another white character. Um, and, like, 
it's oh gosh like kind of back on the note of of gatekeeping as well i've heard so many like gross comments about you know the fact like people are equating having more diverse characters in shows is being quote-unquote pc and if that's a as if that's a bad thing you know how like oh my god like i wish in the specific game like I want to play the main character, but, like, does she have to be black? Like, does she have to be a woman? Like, yeah. And, like, also even stuff like, okay, this is kind of tangential, but I remember being so excited when it was announced that the new host of Blue's Clues was Filipino. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I was so excited. (laughs) Me too. And, like, I was sharing about it. I was really happy um, because – it because like I felt I was so excited for like the little kids that would grow up with this and growing up to have like a norm like the the fact that you know having like a brown um like Southeast Asian host of their favorite show is totally a normal thing to ask for and I can imagine how much it meant for like all the Filipino kids out there be like Mm -hmm. oh my god he looks like me yeah um but like I remember reading a post about that and just being so disgusted like on the news article all these anti-asian comments about how you know oh i don't want like oh like like nickelodeon's trying to be pc or like oh like even real like really harsh asian like racist comments about should i say it on the podcast i like have a content warning yeah i mean okay content warning anti-asian sentiment I even saw a comment under like under the article that was like, oh, he's gonna eat blue because, <sighs> because like the stereotype is that like Asians eat dogs, dogs for some yeah. reason. <sighs> and That's like definitely one of the the slurs people Yeah. Say, yeah. Even even things about like, oh, like go back to China or like whatever. And I'm just like, ha, huh, wrong Asian, but even They always default China. Yeah. Always. And then I'm just like, now you just look dumb. But anyways, like the fact that there's so much backlash with this too, like for me, even though very important strides towards representation and diversity are being made, it's also a reminder that there are so many closed-minded people who don't understand how important this is for us. And I mean, like the thing is putting it into, it's, it's really hard for them to for, to empathize with because they've always seen themselves as someone like I can be Captain America or like right. I can be Black Widow. He looks like me. Mm-hmm. Like there's never been that that moment where you've had to play a character, uh, play a character or read a story about a hero that you could not relate to at all. Mm-hmm. Like you had to put yourself in the shoes of a hero who had none of your lived experiences. And 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 again like kind of going back to our why behind why we created fandom fems is because like we want to one we want to talk about the stuff that we want to talk about but also mm-hmm. for so long like any type of commentary about fandom period has been coming from white male voices and even mm-hmm. though feel, like there are like femme voices that are being highlighted now too like i want people to listen and be like i relate to your perspective because we have similar lived experiences right you know yeah um yeah i know that was kind of a like, no, a, like, a like thank you so much no i love the passion <laughs> lights my fire <laughs> Ooh, we said totoroki yeah. bitch but oh honestly my <laughs> oh my god gara are we talking about gara now <laughs> i'm dead okay but but honestly like what you were saying um 
really like resonated me in the sense that like when you were saying that like, yeah, like white people just always saw themselves and that was the norm. And they don't realize that like us as POC are always seeing white people. (laughs) And like, it's like, okay. And then, I mean, Mm -hmm. we have this um, as we grow up and seeing just, you know, white people in our media and we're consuming that media, um, we start forming uh, implicit biases in the sense that like even maybe even us uh, before we kind of more so understood the importance of representation, we were kind of thinking like, oh, that's kind of weird that it's not, a, you know, a white person doing this, you know, oh, you know, like, yeah. like, and in term, I mean, I'm really happy that we've come to a point where, um, where we now understand that and then also are passionate about it, you know, and we're able to share that with people, but not everyone has that mm-hmm. same sense of justice the same way that we, that you do or the way that I do, you know, um, Especially, I don't know. I, I just I thought that was like pretty like like a really good point that you shared. Um, but it's it's like it's sad that that in these comments that you were talking about that like these people are not realizing that like they're just so um, just like stuck in the in what it's not even like just about them, but it's also about like society in terms of like what has been like solidified as like the trends or as like, like what is normally portrayed, you know, uh, in everything, what, like even besides TV shows, what even game shows hosts, you know, like, or even like any, like, because, um, I mean, the television was created here in America, right? (laughs) And, so everyone, like even our grandparents growing up watching television in America, always saw white people <laughs> because mm-hmm. that's who was like, you know, reigning king in Hollywood, in any of the TV studios, right? Mm-hmm. And so now that we have more people of color in the studios, you know, and more people behind the camera, more people in front of the camera, like you would think – that like say even because I was watching Family Feud earlier today with my grandma. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even Steve Harvey, you know, as the host of Family Feud and all of his predecessors were all older white males. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now we have Steve. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even something as simple as that, like in a game show is like, like you would think people right now, Oct- October 2020 would finally realize like, hey, it doesn't have to be white people. <laughs> yeah. You know, which is crazy to me because it's like, like what what's so wrong with having a Filipino host with blue on Blue's Clues? Yeah. You know, what, what is he going to do? Like he still has a script. Like he's not going to like do like what's it called? Um, he's not going to deviate from his like scripted lines and tell your kids to eat dogs, you know? Like how yeah. how is a really harmful stereotype, right? So like, yeah. Why would what? Like it's so har- It's so harmful in the sense that like, like you think that just because someone is brown that they're gonna teach your kids something terrible. Yeah, and and that also speaks to how, like, <laughs> the the how you know important it is to have this representation too because otherwise 
the only pictures of what Filipinoness is about what like being Korean American is um, are the stereotypes that you've heard and ha- that have been passed down. You don't see anything else, you know, right. and like, um, yeah, and that have so, been passed down from the perspectives of these racist <clears throat> white <Yeah. laughs> perspectives. Period. So, um, yeah. or even say, another- I'm sorry, but also like oh, say ahead, like media with children. Um, you know, a lot children learn a lot from their parents. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like they normally um, adopt their parents' beliefs um, as children. Right. And so say if their parents are racist, you know, or at least um, maybe not full on racist, but they still have, you know, they're still discriminatory and um, prejudiced. The more representation there is in media, because children nowadays consume so much media, the more they can learn from media and not be totally consumed by their parents' beliefs. Mm, I hear you. Like they have multiple like voices and perspectives right. that are kind of shaping them rather than just like the singular one that right. their parents. Yeah. Um, I totally hear that. Thanks for saying that. Um I I also kind of wanted to say that it's it's very interesting to see how, like, for example, like what you mentioned, historically only like white characters have been the heroes in these stories. You know, mm-hmm. we haven't really seen much diversity outside of that. Um, it's be- like even in the push, like in the push to be more diverse, um, to include more women in these narratives, they're still white women, you know. Um, and I what I, what it feels like to me when people are saying like, oh, you know, this isn't right that, you know, or like, oh, this this franchise like Marvel is trying to be more PC by like forcing diversity. That's another common phrase I see. Like they're it's forced diversity. It sounds like they feel attacked because so they they feel like their traditions are being attacked. However, like the tradition that they've seen is just the fact that they've always seen themselves in media. Right. And like that shouldn't be considered like a tradition because like what about right. like and and it shouldn't be like institutionalized as that. It should mm-hmm. be seen as like, hey, my like the media that I watch isn't representative of real life. Because in real life, we see like we see so many other like diverse faces and experiences. Mm-hmm. Like, and it feels like an attack because they're not the center of attention. Yeah. Oh, you little baby. Sad that your face isn't on the screen. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah. It's not like <laughs> it's not like us as like queer brown femmes have like not experienced that like at all. Like imagine never seeing like imagine watching a show where the protagonist like didn't look like you, so you didn't relate to them. Wow. Like, like can you imagine? Imagine that yeah, like imagine like you've never seen that in your entire life. Like <laughs> Wow. Imagine. Like even commercials and like any other type of visual media. (laughs) Even ads, bro. I mean, ads have gotten a lot better. I mean, I've seen some pretty good commercials now too that are like, oh, if there's something about loving like romantically, like they'll have a gay couple, you know? Yeah. Which is nice. And what, what, like kind of what you were saying earlier is that there are some people that are like, oh, that's – they're just doing that to, you know, appeal to the gay audience. And I'm like, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Hello, there's gays in the world. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, why are you mad? <laughs> yeah. It's literally talking about health insurance. <laughs> why are you mad? There, are you there mad? are gay married people that need health insurance. I know, right? Why are you and mad? Like, exactly. And like representation isn't like this pie, right? Where it's like you if we give more to one group, it's less for you. You know, yeah. like you have I'm like, oh cool, like Silk has her own series. Oh, do you feel attacked? Wow, okay. Like it's not like there's Iron Man or Captain America or the Incredible Hulk or, or like Batman, Batman. You know, like yeah. you have all this all of this. They're like, like no. So no, give it back to me. Or like when people are like, Oh my god, where's cool. White History Month? We have Black History Month oh, and Asian my god, that's a Heritage whole Month. Thing. Or like what what is it? Like, they're like, oh, where's the straight flag? Oh yeah. <laughs> Bitch, it's the American flag. <laughs> That's your fucking straight flag. Enjoy. Period. <laughs> I'm shook no. <laughs> Sorry, I just want to ball. Wow. That. Um That was so wow, this is great. Um <laughs> Yeah, and like I think actually kind of like a good a good segue into that you know as far as reimagining like the fact that we have more diverse characters like in like more diverse characters to choose from that's why like i think that's a huge reason why people of color get very up in arms about whitewashing um mm-hmm. but then but then oh god when white people get mad of you know their white character being recast as like you know a different ethnicity for example when it was announced that in the live action little mermaid like ariel was going to be played by like a black actress Mm -hmm. and people were up in arms because they're like oh that's not my ariel blah 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 like do you even know what ariel's actual ethnicity is and also she's a fucking mermaid i know not even human she doesn't have a fucking ethnicity fuck you yeah like on that on that note too like the fact that people will liken it to like oh well you know if we white if we turned a black character into a white character then everyone would be upset you know why everyone would be upset is because literally like white characters have so many narratives to choose from so many story adaptations to choose from but so when we see like freaking like ghost in the shell scarlett johansson like a white woman (sighs) japanese woman you know like asian characters don't get that protagonist role like in media period and when you when you make a major motion picture adapting this asian story and keeping and like setting it in japan and everything like that like and you don't cast an asian character i'm just like you have so many other things to adapt why couldn't you just give it to like someone whose ethnicity is like canonically this character you know um also money because scarlett johansson popular i mean if anything you could also give it to a popular asian actress but the thing is they want ghost michelle you know to be popular in the united states and so they need a face that americans can recognize yeah and like this is actually like a like a great segue like back into silk because you know in this live action adaptation i guess like one of my hopes for it and i'm I'm confident that because there's like korean um american women in the writer's room i'm confident that this will happen but the fact that this has to be said oh my god but i really i really hope that they cast an actual korean girl like right. silk because so often we see these like asian characters like cast as um like any 
anyone Asian looking is cast as like any Asian, like pan Asian ethnicity. Like um, a good example of this, for example, um, I mean, like this is the first thing that comes to mind, but um, in Descendants, like why is it the first one? In the Descendants franchise, so basically, like they're the kids of all of these like Disney princesses and like princess and stuff. Mulan's kid in the show, it's very problematic anyway. But like, so the person that, so Mulan is from China. The person they casted in that role is Vietnamese. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> like you, you literally, like, I'm sure plenty of Chinese women auditioned, but you chose a Vietnamese woman. You literally, I mean, she's a, she's awesome, like, in the movie. However. I love it, but at the same time, you had, I, the thing is, is that, like, there, I'm, I would understand if you're trying to cast some someone from a very specific Asian country, like a very small, like Kuala Lumpur or whatever. You know, like I can't even say it. I can't even say it. That's how like small it is. But like, like, like that it would be harder to find an actress to cast that. But I'm sure they've had people that were Chinese or Chinese American or even half. You know, to I audition. Oh yeah, definitely. And like I think that that kind of also perpetuates a stereotype how like Asia and like Asianness is like this monolith of ethnicities. Um right. and like it actually kind of feeds in this this mindset. Like I see it a lot in like the work that I do too. Like people, like politicians, like corporations lump us all together. And because of and if like one group of Asian people is on the surface like looking very successful, um it's passed on like that image is passed on to the whole like all asians like as a whole being like oh well asians are doing fine like asians don't need like i mean i work in education like um and a lot of a huge thing that we see is like asians don't need like access and retention programs they don't need after school tutoring that's specific for their group because like the chinese kids are doing well in school forget the fact that i mean like take money out of it like, d- like ignore the fact that you know, access to resources, for example, like ignore the fact, like ignore income, right? Just the fact that they're, that racially they, like they are Chinese and they are all, and China is in Asia. That means all Asians are succeeding, right? Like, yeah. Um, Which is why I'm really looking forward to like these um, more diverse stories and like the fact that, you know, there's a, there are Korean for Silk, back to Silk, um, that there are Korean American people in the writers' room. I'm mm. I'm really hopeful, and I'm hoping this will be like authentic as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like I guess kind of going into like a little a little senti uh, part about why Silk was so important for me is that I really like she was <sighs> to quote Adrian Raphael, she was mine, but. <laughs> Because, like, I, I really felt like um, – at first it started with, with Silk um, that I, I really felt like there was a hero that I could not only, like, see myself in but also kind of claim as my own mm-hmm. because, um, yes, I'm not Korean-American. But the fact that, you know, <laughs> her parents are immigrants, like, the fact that she's a big yeah. sister, like, the fact that, you know, 
so much of who she was was kind of like at odds with her Asian identity and the traditions and expectations that came with that and also her American identity and the traditions and expectations that came with that. Like um, that was something that I loved to see. And like it, it in like coming full circle, you know, back to fandom femmes, the fact that – well, I mentioned before it was Silk that caused – that catalyzed my love for comics. Like Silk was the first comic book I ever bought. Mm-hmm. And it catalyzed my love for comics and it made me love it so much that I wanted to make a podcast with with you. And <laughs> here, like we – and in this specific podcast, we're telling people that you don't need to meet a certain threshold to like what you like, mm-hmm. you know. And we're also hopeful that our voices as like queer – Asian American femmes who love fandom and who who love comic books and anime and shit like our opinions matter our voices matter and we want to use our platform to remind others with similar narratives that we are that we have that their voices also matter too so yeah I think it's like it's full circle you know um I used to put up pictures of Silk because, like, I was in student government too. Uh, I used to put up pictures of Silk in my cubicle to kind of like inspire me. Yeah, like, have you seen Have you seen Parks and Rec? I haven't. Yeah, um, that's okay. Like, um, Parks and Rec is one of my favorite like live action shows, also. And like, the protagonist Leslie Nope literally has like framed pictures of like influential women like Margaret Thatcher and <laughs> um, Hillary Clinton, like in her office. Um, mm-hmm. And for me. In my little space, it was it was superheroes, like mm-hmm. female superheroes, specifically like Silk and Spider Gwen, like took up space in my personal, um, in my personal like workspace too, mm-hmm. um, and because like I display that so like proudly too, like it's really hard to find Silk merch, um, so if y'all have like also asking the audience if you have any like suggestions for where to buy silk merch like that'd be great but like also um like those pictures like those posters for example and like the posters you have in your space the pins that we wear the shirts that we wear um are signals to other people to find community Mm -hmm. um so the fact that i had those like in my office um is like one oh just seems a fucking nerd so like (laughs) i feel comfortable enough to talk about these things (laughs) haha but but also like oh like justine really likes female superheroes like oh justine like um diversity is very important to her Mm. and i love that i've been able to use my love of silk to communicate that with others because it helps me communicate that for myself yeah so senti also i really really love to see you cosplay so just saying oh my god me too honestly like (laughs) good suits are like three hundred dollars and like oh honey my God, just I, every day put one dollar aside i know what? at the end of the year i'll be good <gasps> yeah it's just it'll take just like a little less a than a year a day a dollar oh a day for God. a silk I'll suit have, honey okay i'm speaking it into existence i'm going to find a jar and make <laughs> it my silk jar hell yeah put money away oh my god yeah i'm also afraid of commitment huh but <laughs> um <laughs> 
because I'm just like, um, oh my God, what if I put the measurements in and then like if I have rapid weight gain or like I um, lose weight, like it won't fit me right anymore. But hey, listen, you know what? I'm going to break that cycle right there. You know why? Because every cause, every body is a cosplay body. Hell yeah. And, like, yeah, definitely. And like just because I don't fill out a suit in a specific way doesn't mean that it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for your cosplay and I'm so, so, so thankful that I was able to hear about the superhero that, you know, brought you into this. And I don't know. I love hearing you passionately. (laughs) You're you're so, uh, you make my heart quiver. Oh, <laughs> Noelle. Oh, you make <laughs> you just broke around my Kokoro. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, 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 I'm so oh, sorry. Oh, 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 oh no, oh no. No, no, no. Backpedal, edit, edit, edit. Um, but yeah, that's actually like um a great segue into our next. Like, actually, yeah, like that's like a great segue into like our community spotlight, and then we can give yes. you your recommendations for what we like this week. So sure. yeah. Do you want to talk about our community spotlight, Noelle? Speaking of cosplay. Oh, yeah. Oh, y'all. Speaking of cosplay. Uh, well, our community spotlight this episode is Monster Poe. And this is what she has to say. Hi, my name is Poe, and I am a cosplayer by day, nurse by night, and a full-time dog mom. If I am not fighting COVID-19, you can find me spending time with my loved ones or working on a cosplay project. Currently, I am part of a KDA slash Blackpink inspired group called Kindia. So K-I-N-D-A. And their Instagram is at KDA underscore K-I-N-D-A. So like <laughs> KDA kind of. I love that. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on that account or in that group is where she cosplays as Ari. She says that we just premiered an acoustic cover of The Baddest and we would love for – you all to check it out to see what i've been working on or just to get to know me you can follow my personal instagram at monster that's at m-o-n-s-t-e-r-p-o-h and she says thank you and yeah i actually know her personally and an absolute delight like in every way like humble strong beautiful geeky <laughs> like Honestly, it's just she's just so um, refreshing. Mm-hmm. I want to say like her presence, very like refreshing. But I think honestly, because I knew her as like a cosplayer, I didn't even know she was a nurse. So it's crazy that she's like she's like like a superhero. She's like fighting yeah. disease <laughs> and also you know still indulging in her geeky pleasures with friends. And we love yeah. that. So it's fighting diseases by daylight and making cosplay by midnight. By midnight. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sam, let's go. I know. (laughs) Yeah, so thank you so much for for sharing that. Um, We wanted to be intentional about, you know, like, especially during months that celebrate diversity. Like, for example, like October when we're filming this episode is um, Filipino American History Month. So we wanted to uplift, uh, 
and support like kind of like how we uplifted um we profiled crystal last week um we wanted to make sure that we use our platform to uplift like members of our community that were doing great work so yeah thank you monster poe thank you monster poe we will like everyone listen to their acoustic cover of the baddest if you don't know what kda is it's basically league of legends is um (laughs) k-pop group (laughs) yeah and a lot of people love cosplaying as them because i mean it's it's literally characters like from the video game that they've assembled into a k-pop group which is yeah so crazy and also the music's so good so oh yeah and they actually have the voices oh sorry um yeah it is really good um and they actually have like um voice like the voices of like k-pop idols like Mm -hmm. in like in the um like in the group, yeah. like there are two members from G Idol that yeah, were in, um, yeah, that were in Pop Stars. Like Madison they're also Pierre. in the Baddest too. Oh yeah, so like yeah, it's they, an actual they, lineup. Yeah, that- well they they kept um the the girls from G Idol and then they changed the American artists for the, the <gasps> next time. Yeah, so it's actually Bea Miller if you've heard. Oh yeah, so in the Baddest it's Bea Miller and then somebody else that I don't remember the name of. <laughs> But yeah, they they kept the same um, K-pop artists. <gasps> cool, exciting. Yes. yes, cool. Thanks for sharing. Yes. Um, as we close off our episode, um, we can also do our get wrecked section. Get wrecked. <laughs> and like, kind of in the theme of you know silk and like Asian representation in comics, I, my get wrecked for this week is actually I just got this in the mail, so I want to show y'all. <gasps> it's called Green Lantern Legacy. Oh. And yeah, and it's written by um, Min Lei and illustrated by Andy Tong. And what's so cool about this is that in this iteration of Green Lantern, we talk. Um, it follows the ring, like the Green Lantern ring, being passed down through generations of a Vietnamese American family. Oh my god! Yes. Oh my gosh! That's it's- so cool. And it's amazing because, like, the author – I had the opportunity to, like, um, volunteer for a virtual reading that Min Le was doing as a part of VALA, which is, like, the Vietnamese um, Vietnamese American Arts and Letters Association. I think that's what the acronym is. But I had a chance to kind of, like, hear him read it and, like, share the story. And there are so many, like, details in it that um, make it – you know, that much more – how do I say this? Like, that make it that much more um, impactful for, mm. like, Southeast Asia. Like, it's it's, some, it's a story that everyone can relate to, but certain elements of it – for example, like, the main character's grandmother is wearing Aoyai, like, traditional, like, Vietnamese Aww. clothing. And uh-huh. also, like, they'll <laughs> – there, there was a, an Easter egg that he talked about, like, on her bedroom counter, there is, like, Tiger Bomb. <gasps> details like that that are like so relatable that like people in that community will pick up on Mm -hmm. um but also it's like a a story that's relatable like across cultures so highly recommend it um green lantern legacy min lay illustrated by andy tong check it out love oh my gosh i love i love that you know you find these and introduce it to us because i i never really knew about any like Asian graphic artists or or even like this like putting a spin on like an existing franchise you know mm-hmm. in like 
an Asian American, you know, perspective, which is yeah. or even just Asian perspective. But yeah, yeah. thank you. Um, yeah, and like on that <laughs> note too, like previously, like before finding this novel. I never really watched or read anything Green Lantern related, Mm. but like because the center is like a character that I can relate to, like that's what kind of intrigued me and like pulled me in. So Mm. and I think that speaks for other things too. Like if you represent different communities in the works, then it'll draw more readers to that specific franchise. Right. Honestly. And like I guess in terms of like financially, the reason, you know, some people like don't want to do that is because that's risky but hey mm-hmm. like i i mean i believe like both of us believe that it's worth the risk you know because like how else are you you're gonna keep making the same content you're gonna get the you're gonna yield the same results you know mm-hmm. but if you want to reach out and broaden your audience then do what it takes yeah yeah Thank you so much for that, Noelle. And yeah, everyone check out Green Lantern Legacy. Um, yeah. So Noelle, what I – so we – for for our friends at home, we like outline all of our episodes. <laughs> and when I was reviewing the outline for today's episode and I saw Noelle's Get Wrecked, I'm like, what? <laughs> so do you kind of – I'm very interested in this episode. All right. So I know it's, it sounds sus. It, it looks sus, sounds sus. Uh, before I'm, I'm just gonna say what is written there. It's say it, it says, "I want to eat your pancreas." <laughs> it sounds really confusing, but it's actually an anime movie, and it it's a tearjerker. It's a kind of romance tearjerker. And when I when I say kind of, it's because what's interesting is. Not really spoiler alert, but the the two characters, um, male and female, they they have a a relationship that is not explicitly romantic. It's really interesting because the the way they they talk about their relationship, it's always like it's not like that. But um, they have so they have a lot of like intimacy and connection, like though not exactly romantic. It, it's like. Like, they never tell each other that they love each other. But, like, you have to watch it in that sense. But there's so many great, like, uh, brief synopsis. Girl (laughs) um, (laughs) has an illness in her pancreas. And the reason why, um, I guess this is kind of a spoiler. I mean, it's not really. But um, it's called I Want to Eat Your Pancreas is because in the very beginning of the movie, she explains like that she read in like old folklore or something is that if you have an issue in some part of your body, it's um, a way to help heal yourself is to eat that same like organ and ingest that organ yourself, you know? So in her terms, like is like her pancreas is ill and mm-hmm. stopped working. Mm-hmm. And um, so the I want to eat your pancreas is like a – it's it was kind of like their I love you. So it's um <laughs> literally it's so interesting because he the male protagonist is unlike any other male protagonist that I've met. Uh, very I'm gonna just leave it at this stoic. I mean, we've met stoic characters and normally they turn around pretty quick, but this guy um 
I guess you could say it's like melancholic in a way, but you know how like they have those movies where it's like, all right, cool, 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 cool. I'm not crying yet. And then like kind of right towards the end, you're like, oh, fuck, is this where I'm going to cry? And even if you do anticipate you're going to cry, you're like, oh, fuck, I'm crying. Like, (laughs) (laughs) here I am. I was like, I I knew, I I knew, uh, I always heard about this movie. I just watched it yesterday. But I've always heard about this movie. I heard it like, you know, like it's always on the TikTok list of anime that like that makes you cry or whatever. And I was like, all right, I know I'm going to cry. Just don't know when. And then like at the point where I'm like, oh, is this the part? And then I'm like, it is the part. Like, <laughs> And so, yeah, honestly, give it a good look. It's only I think it's an hour 30, but uh, I don't think it's on Crunchy or anything. I, Me and my friends watched it. Um, maybe I don't know go go anime I don't know, you can find it just google that shit you know what I mean but <laughs> you know what it it's if you feel like you it, it what's really cool though is like how I was talking about is like that that idea of like love and not the conventional kind um I think that was really cool even if it's between to teenagers because you know normally as teens you think it's either love or it's not you know like i love Mm -hmm. this person or i like this person as a friend you know it's like or this person's a stranger you know like the lines are very distinct in terms of that but here it's um from everyone's perspective because a lot of people are like misunderstanding what's going on between them too it's like like there's and in this misunderstanding people are like you either do this or that you know they're like it's not like that you know so it's like Mm. it's so interesting and to see this type of relationship so i would recommend that yeah Yeah. (laughs) i want to eat your pancreas (laughs) period period to say to the your next crush or to say to your crush i want to eat your pancreas let that be your opening line on Tinder. See what happens. If you use that as an opening line on Tinder, screenshot it and send it to us <laughs> with their reaction. I'm very curious. I feel like you would attract the weebs, the senti, simpy weebs. Like, honestly, <laughs> they'd be like, oh my God, I watched that too. You know? That's yeah. how you, you gather your niche. Like, mm-hmm. That's how we build community. That's how we build community. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. I feel so fulfilled um, after talking. Like, I'm so glad I got to share, like, my feelings about Silk with you. Yes, and honestly, like, you. Noelle, with all your recs, too, sometimes I'm kind of hesitant when people, like, um, recommend me stuff because sometimes they'll say, like, oh, my God, this is really good. And then it's, like, a super misogynistic movie or it has, like, really bad queer representation. And they're, like, mm-hmm. oh, gaze in it. I thought you'd like it. But, like, whenever you recommend something to me, like, this, not only are our tastes very similar, but, like, our – our desire for like well-rounded representation in media is mutual. So like, if you recommend something, I'm gonna trust that it's good. Aww, like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> same cool. with you, Henty. Honestly, listening to you talk about Silk um, really makes me want to go buy an issue. <laughs> so yeah, that's it's like, so it's so yeah. accessible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I yeah, mean, I don't honestly, own one like, comic, so I'm like. You know, because I never knew what I would want to read. But hearing you talk about it, I'm like, hey, I'll just go buy Silk right now. What up? Yeah. Honestly, speaking it into existence now, um, I'll just buy it for you. I'll just (gasps) buy you the first issue and see what you think. Oh, my God. I literally literally have goosebumps on my arms. On recording. If you could see, 
you can't because my camera's trash but i literally have goosebumps on my arms you're so sweet thank you oh, yeah. <laughs> i love you wow oh my gosh okay. imagine like the people at home be like oh will they won't they like <laughs> i'll post <laughs> it on our instagram story when it comes like oh my oh god, god. look what my stepsis bought me <laughs> i'll be <laughs> it's like those anime where it's like here i got you this not that I would care. Care. <laughs> like, I'll send it. Like, not that I, like, wanted to get it for you. Whatever. <laughs> okay. So, thank you so much, everybody, for coming on this journey with us. Um, we will see you in two weeks, maybe sooner. Mwahaha. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All right, friends, thank you so much for joining us today. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes of Fandom Femmes. Make sure you're following us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, um, all your favorite social media handles. And last but not least, remember to be you, be free, and and be, be silky. silky. Thwip, thwip. Now watch me thwip. Now watch me thwip, thwip. Watch me, Nene. How you How doing? How we doing? Okay. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> bye, everybody.